Hi, my name is Annie Grossman, and I'm a dog trainer. This podcast is brought to you by School for the Dogs, a Manhattan-based facility I own and operate along with some of the city's finest dog trainers. During this podcast, we'll be answering your questions, geeking out on animal behavior, discussing pet trends, and interviewing industry experts. Welcome to School for the Dogs podcast. Hey, I am here with Dr. Lisa Lippman. Hi. And <laughs> and uh, the boyfriend. Richie, Richie Redding. I, Redding. Okay. Yeah. I wasn't sure of your last name. Dr. Lisa and Richie have their own podcast, yeah. which is wonderful. Uh, it's called Pets and Punchlines. Yeah. Uh, yeah. While Richie is a great lover of animals. I thought you were just going to cut yeah, it short. Yeah, me too. He's a great lover. <laughs> And Lisa's a veterinarian. (laughs) (laughs) Dr. Lisa is a veterinarian, and she's a visiting veterinarian, which means she goes into people's homes, which I think is super cool for many reasons, but a big reason is, uh, did you ever read those books when you were kids about the visiting vet? No, uh, actually. That series of novels about- No, I don't know how I missed that. Nobody loved me, I guess. Me either. Shoot, um, <laughs> All God's Creatures, I think they were called. Yeah, okay. I mean, I, I know of them, but oh, okay. I actually never read them. I never Somehow read them either, it. but I know about them. But and this I, is and clearly a that. gap in both of our, our yeah. educations about pets. Yeah, and did you, you loved pets. What, you were, loved what animals. were our parents doing that they didn't make, right? make us read those books? You loved animals from the get-go, right? Yeah, so, of me course, too. Of yeah. Um, but what I think is cool about a visiting vet as a dog trainer is that a lot of dogs have too much stress to go to a vet. Yep. And a vet who understands how to enter someone's home is invaluable. Thank uh, you. I think it's a it's a need that that really needs to be filled in and out of New York City. Yeah. Thank I mean we appreciate that so much. And we do what we do too because, you know, we work with you and your partner Kate a lot. I mean I've brought Kate on house calls. So oh, when really? I have animals I Yeah. Yeah. I brought Annie's partner Kate on house calls with me. So when I've had animals that are really fearful or mm-hmm. Um, what's like a positive, what's like the PC way to say, like difficult to handle? <laughs> well, frankly, I, I don't know if this happens very much, uh-huh. but if someone had a puppy and wanted to do puppy visits in their home, let's do it. Vet, I think it's a great idea oh my God. because you can, in a home, like set up a situation that's kind of like going to the yep. vet, yeah. but you're <gasps> in the comfort of their home rather than stressing them out in a new place. But even more than that, I'm just thinking off the top of my head. I love here. this. But even more than that, I think that, um, a lot don't a lot of dogs get sick at the vet that's my that's well, my so theory well so that's that's one of the things and i think that's really interesting and something else we have to talk about that i've talked with other trainers about is yeah we tell you don't bring your you know be so careful with your dog's vaccination status don't bring them outside but what are you doing when they're not vaccinated at all bringing them to the vet which is like the most and the waiting room <laughs> i mean i know it's cool place. for the dogs when we have play times mm-hmm. um we try no, we don't try. We do clean very carefully for right. puppies, and we don't have people put their puppy down generally right. until they're in the like disinfected area. And I know vet offices clean, but right. I, I don't imagine that they're cleaning. No, I mean, like, every hour between the patients. stress is just so crazy. Plus, too, yeah. that, plus like, the stress. Yeah. I I participated in uh, in one blood draw. Uh, that we <laughs> did a house call. yeah we did a podcast, podcast. Yeah. we did a po- podcast slash house call yeah my front my friend Rosebud she had a, a dog that needed some blood drawn and like well and also the point of the podcast was like we have this aggressive pit 
And so so Richie got nominated to put the dog in a headlock <laughs> toward this thing. I almost passed out from the stress. I was like, I was. But I, I by was, the way, by headlock, he means like literally just holding off the back leg vein for me. That was, he was not putting the dog in a headlock, but uh, he was literally just holding it, off the vein. No, I, I've rewritten it, the story and it was gnashing, it gnarling teeth. Here's another reason for home visits. The owners can drink. The, oh, right. Oh no, seriously. I've had my, I've had people in like pajamas. I've gotten into people's beds. Like, I, I mean, what? there's no place I won't go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I also, um, I also well, I think, we, think, I think that, we might want to talk about this. Whose bed yeah, did you get in? <laughs> Actually, usually for like euthanasia. <laughs> oh, okay. It was super sad. Yeah. Right. It was sad. Right. Yeah. Just Happier topic. Let's you. move on. From uh, well, I just thought but, somebody talked her into bed. On. <laughs> but I was going somewhere before, which was that um, uh, talking about puppy vaccination status and training, right? So this is something that I'm super passionate about, which is like, you know, their critical socialization period being, and you correct me if I'm wrong, I always tell people, I'm not a trainer. I will literally derail all of your training. I will <laughs> let your puppy jump up on me and lick my face. Well, I don't, um, and I'm I, like, well, please I call say Annie that and Kate. Yeah, but I wouldn't say that's derailing training. I mean, my my philosophy is that training's happening all the time. Right, with anyone. Any, any interaction you're having with dog, you are training that dog. Right. And you know what? If you're training a puppy to interact with the vet in a way where they feel comfortable, right. like the the fact that they're jumping up, like to me, I, I don't. They're I mean, confident if, if, and happy. I mean, if you weigh eighty pounds and the dog's a great Dane, like right. we need to talk about it, maybe. But like, you <laughs> right? Know, I, <laughs> yeah. No, I hear you. But but the fact that the fact the that they're school, having a good experience yeah. with you in their home. Yeah, but and that the old school way of being used to be like keep your dog in a bubble until mm-hmm. you know, all they have all of their vaccinations is mm-hmm. really no longer like the cool thing to do. Right. It's really they need to be socialized before. They are finished with their vaccines, right? But, and, but their- in in doable doses, of right. course. And I think that's where something like the visiting vet, like plenty of dogs, of course, puppies can go to the vet and be just like goofy and happy and whatever. Yeah. But I know I've seen puppies, and I'm sure you've seen puppies who are just like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, <laughs> like just like totally freaked out <laughs> yeah. by yeah. oh yeah any novel thing. Yeah. Yeah. I just had one yesterday. We had this little dog, Rico, from Puerto oh, Rico. And Rico. just like every every little Wait, thing. Wait, I sent you Rico. Rico is mine. Oh, really? I sent him to you. Oh, yeah. my God. Uh, well, you know what I'm talking about. That. How adorable is he? He's the cutest. He... I did I did all his was, vaccines. Was he and... one of the, uh, the... He's an animal lighthouse rescue. What? We got that litter like of 43 at yeah. once. It was oh, like an wow. insane. Oh, it was that b- real big oh, wow. one. Yeah. yeah, we got them all off the plane, like 43 of them at wow. once. And so for me, it was kind of assembly line right, right. You know, But you remember honest. Rico. Well, oh, Rico. Oh, so he was nervous. Tell me, tell me, but let's work together on Rico. My, but my feeling about puppies as socialization goes is socialization is, it's all about the associations they're creating. And I think when people think about um, like training a puppy, they think, you know, we need the puppy to do X and we need the puppy mm-hmm. to do Y. And it's important that the puppy not do these things. And I feel more like, you know what, during that socialization window, your job as a person with a dog is to just make the dog feel good about the world they're going to need to live in. And, yep. that, and if that means like having, you know, if that means a dog jumps up on you sometimes, like, okay, okay like we have okay. plenty of time to like deal with those issues. So but what's I, like the big mistake that people make? Then? <laughs> well, I, you know what? I think bringing her back to the vet stuff with a puppy I think a lot of it is setting criteria too soon for well for instance someone comes into a classroom and then I'll bring this back to like if they're going to the vet right but Mm -hmm. someone comes into the classroom to a puppy kindergarten class and it's a puppy's very first time there and right away they're you know like bingo I want you to sit sit bingo sit right like wanting this having this perfect idea this like Mm -hmm. Norman Rockwell idea of like 
what it should look like when you're at a dog mm-hmm. training class and my dog is sitting next to me and I'll be just like, you know what? Just f- feed him treats. Just mm-hmm. like sit there and feed him treats. I don't yeah. really care what he's doing. And what I always say to it, it's like when you send your kid to kindergarten on the first day and they do a crayon drawing, yeah. they're going to come back and show you a crayon drawing. You could look at it with your eyes closed and be like, that's great. Yeah. Nice job. And uh, I don't think it's about spoiling the kid or spoiling right. the puppy, but just I, I just want the dog to feel good about being at school comfortable there especially a dog like Rico otherwise if you're if you're if you're barking at if you're barking you're telling the dog I want you to do xyz all the time mm. when the, you have a dog who's scared like Rico you know tail tucked oh, no. like oh, close to the ground weird. yeah oh. he got more and more He's comfortable but he got yeah. more and more comfortable and was learning lots by the end yeah. of the the time but Great. the most important thing for him to learn was just to like this is how I can exist. Dog. Yeah. Exist here. You yeah. Know? And I think a similar thing can happen at the vets. Yeah. Right. Where you have a dog on the table mm-hmm. and you have, you know, the owner has this idea of like the dog should be sitting right mm-hmm. now so that we, the doctor can get the shot. And really the dog is just, you know, really nervous about being there often, mm-hmm. especially when like they're on the metal. Yeah. Right. Right. Which is the total difference between doing it at home. Right. Because we don't do that. But um, yeah. How- but I but I love this. I, I think we've created something new here with the because puppy appointments are some of my longest appointments and half of those questions are really training behavior. Yeah. It is weird that like the the steel metal table hasn't been replaced in most vet clinics. That like it seems like they could make that a lot more they, dog in friendly. In the fear free right? courses, I think I mean they yeah, they talk about losing using like non slip non slip mats and stuff like that i was just thinking we have we have branded yoga mats that we use in our studio all the time we should just give those to vets to use (laughs) yeah Um, the problem is they're harder to clean and so if you're worried about like an infectious patient or something like that but um but yes we could make it a lot more pleasant for a lot more patients in a hospital setting but i I don't think making dogs feel good about being there has ever really been the goal of a vet's office you're right which has also usually not been the goal of a training a training facility right got it you don't I mean, I think, yeah. right? You don't – stereotypically, you think about bringing your dog to a dog trainer. You don't think about a place where your dog is going to be, like, right. psyched to be there. And as a vet, like, right? Like, you want a dog who's psyched to see you. Oh, yeah, for sure. That makes me so happy. And I, I love to use all the treats and try my hardest yeah. to make a positive experience. But – Yes. And, but- and this is why I started House Calls because I want to be able to focus more on – the intimate setting with my patients and my clients. But unfortunately, the reality is in a lot of clinic settings, the, the veterinarians just don't have time to. Of so. But even here though with Chloe, like there's one drawer that if she goes into that Chloe knows that's where <laughs> she keeps stuff. Uh, like my medicine, yeah, especially like the vag and ear stuff. They, like if you go for the, if she, <laughs> she goes has for a recessed that, vulva, Chloe bolts for me and tries to hide behind me, and her body temperature goes up like ten degrees. Yeah, she oh. knows when I hit that drawer. I just yeah. Well, I you could do some it. counter conditioning there. Yeah, I could. So. You, you know, or move it to another drawer, perhaps. <laughs> I, but isn't oh. it interesting how they learn to make those associations? She just knows. Oh, my God. Yeah. My, she's so smart. Even though she's never, like, stepped foot in a vet clinic. Actually, she's happy to. Right, when right. I bring her, when I used to bring her to, like, when I bring her with me anywhere, she is happy to go into the clinic because she doesn't have a clue. But, yeah. Right, because right. all her procedures have been at home. <laughs> yeah, right. You see, yeah. I guess that's an interesting, that's an interesting, um, like, turn. That's, yeah. like, a problem that could occur is then your dog is afraid to be at home. So, a thousand percent. Yeah. But with a puppy, so much of it should be pleasant. And I agree. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't agree. Pleasant. I am ima- like, I can imagine that you say you go to these visits and then a lot of it is talking about how to care for the puppy and mm-hmm. you're like, you should call it yeah. trainer. <laughs> um, because, um, I actually, I have a, one of my best friend's mothers is like a pediatrician to the stars in New York city and okay. she spends 
something like 90 minutes for a first visit with the parents, like I think even without the kid there, mm-hmm. sort of a, like get to know what it's like to have a child Interesting. Uh, session yeah. with every client, which is not was not my experience of having a pediatrician when I was a kid. Right. It was like where I went when I was sick. Yeah. But but uh, I, I appreciate that she does that. I'm sure her clients appreciate it. Yeah, I right? just had some yeah. guy that didn't speak English jam needles into me. That was, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's the whole thing. So. so when you decided to be a... House call? A house call vet. Mm-hmm. I was calling a visiting vet. Is that okay? <laughs> yeah, I, you can call me whatever I you want. I actually have visiting been vet. sitting yeah, here. Cool. Every time you said it, I'm like, how did that not come up when we were kicking around names visiting for the vet. company? <laughs> visiting vet. It's, yeah, it's visiting great. vet. Yeah, it's yeah. great. Um, I'm just not mobile. The distinction is like that would imply that I worked out of a mobile unit. A oh, lot okay. of people but picture sounds that great. she has House like a Ghostbuster mobile. <laughs> <laughs> do you have like a briefcase well, or a, you know. where do you keep your supplies? A book bag. Okay. Actually, in like 90% of what I need, it's just in my book bag. You need yeah. a bike mm-hmm. with like, did you ever see the show Call the Midwife? It's no. About, it's about mm-hmm. London, these nurses in London in the 1950s and 60s. And <laughs> you have to look at it now because I, yeah, that's how I'm picturing your getup. So as far as being a, I'm going to, I'm going to just keep calling visit, visiting yeah, vet because I like great. the alliteration. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A very visiting Lisa vet. Lisa Lippman, the visiting vet. Yes. Of the vets in the city. When you have the alliteration of Lisa Lippman. Right. There, so and Richie Redding. Oh, Richie Redding. I didn't even think yeah. of the yeah. double. Oh my God. Visiting vet. Come on. <laughs> I think you need to reconsider. Anyway, um, as a visiting vet, I'm interested in how you made that transition. Were you at a facility before that? Mm-hmm. And... Well, I trained at Blue Pearl, so oh, okay. I was working like 100-hour work weeks, yeah. did a lot of emergency Did you have there. a specialty? Um, no specialty. I mean, I, you know, where you either focus – when you don't have a specialty, you can either focus on emergency or general practice as opposed to going into like cardiology yeah. or oncology. Uh-huh. Those are like three-year specialized training. Um, but so I did exclusively emergency for a little while, and then I did exclusively general practice for a little while. And basically – you know, I just, I loved the idea of, of being house call, having that, having the time with my patients and my clients, being in intimate setting, seeing what their environment is like, having it be less stress for everybody involved. And I had a friend who started a house call practice. And so basically I said to him, I love this, please let me join you. And um, then he decided he actually didn't want to do it anymore. So I created my own and that's kind of where I'm at right now. So yeah, I just I just love the idea, and I found. And I love the idea of you doing it on your own too. Well, and you, you also know, you seem that to really me... like setting out on your own and, and doing it. It's like it, it's well, I... it's such a different thing when it's when when it's your business. And well, is... and you seem to me like you approach it like an entrepreneur, not just like something that you're. You know... Oh, she's a hustler. I mean, I have a part just like just like you and Kate. I mean, I, I have a partner um, because I asked her. So I've grown the house call practice with my own clients from when I was working uh, for my friend, Alex. But then I like the idea of having a partner. I love collaborating. And so my friend, Dr. Lauren Benson, she's a brilliant veterinarian. She's super personable and fun and smart. And She I, doesn't have an alliterative name. No, now. she doesn't. Lauren <laughs> Benson. Now, how can we fix that? She's getting married. Yeah, can she her name now be Benny? Up an L? Uh, no. Benny Benson? <laughs> um, yes, we, can, we call her Benny. So yeah, Benny Benson. That's perfect. Um, so... Uh, basically, I was just like, look, I'm starting a house call practice. I think you would be really good at this with me. Do it with me. And she was like, yeah. And that's why I love her because that was like literally the whole conversation. I was like, I'm starting this. Do you want to do it with me? And she was like, yes. And I was like, okay. That sounds and actually a lot so, like me, yeah. me and Kate. And we haven't yeah. talked since. No, just kidding. I love that. 
<laughs> That's great. Um, yeah, so uh, so it's a little different. For, obviously, I've been doing it for a year. She's brand new at everything. But uh, yeah, I've always had like a very entrepreneurial spirit. I'm sort of – I like being a – flexibility is, is important to me. So yeah, and I'll just go out there and work. You know, I'll do – so I still pick up relief shifts at different hospitals because it's not quite sustainable yet. So um, I'll go, I'll work like all day and then I'll do a house call at night or I'll do it like in the morning before I go or on the weekends. I do weekends, I do weekend nights. I mean, or she'll wake up at 5.30 in the morning so she can do Dr. Oz and then go to a shift. Oh, <laughs> I also do some media the, stuff on the, the side. The hustle you know, is real. Grow, so, yeah. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. So it depends if you're not getting the brunt of my attitude. If you're not, <laughs> <laughs> you're not yeah. living with me maybe <laughs> when I'm tired and cranky. How did the and media part come out? Come um, up? Come up? Come yeah. Up. It's like a real crazy amalgamation of things I think like um, – when I started the house call practice, I had like a month into it, I had a patient, Catstradamus, the largest cat in New York. I don't know if you guys have seen this. And he went super viral. And so there were so many questions about his health as being a large cat. Like, why is he so big? What are you feeding him? Is he healthy? How did that client come about? Uh, that client came about, actually, we were quoted together in a New York Post article. <clears throat> so I was just, <clears throat> was it you? One of my friends. It was one of his friends. Uh, no it's no big. <laughs> there was a guys. New York Post. This is a long <laughs> I used to. I used to work at the New York Post. Oh, you did? Did you really? It comes full circle. Yeah, wow. yeah, it does. It's funny. So there was a New York Post writer who posted something on like a Facebook group looking for a veterinarian for a quote for an article about this cat. His friend recommended me. And my and house call hairstylist. I reached out and being <laughs> – right, right. And uh, – Wait, do you really have a house call hairstylist? Yeah, I mean, it sounds Christina, we super love you. bougie when it's when it's when I say it that way, but <laughs> she's amazing. Basically, let's yeah. just do house call everything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, that's the way of New York City, right? I, I'm what all for it. it. I'm all but for anyway, it. no, yeah. So we were in that article. I was in that. I was quoted about him. So I reached out to him, and I was like, you know, we're in this. Like, I love this. You know, if you ever need a house call vet, I'm happy to come see you. And he was like, yes, actually, he's got like this thing on his face. Come today. <laughs> that was literally. So I was like, okay, I'll be there in five minutes. And um, and then he just blew up. I mean, just took off. We did everything from like Harry Connick Jr. to um, wow, Good Housekeeping, TMZ, Insight Edition, all the Facebook lives. You really had a fat cat that yeah. uh -huh. put you on the map. Yes. Yeah, Richie says it a little differently. But um, yeah, I've, I've been doing stand up comedy for well over 10 years. You didn't like that joke then? That got no, they, oh, no, no they, she holds up one retarded cat. <laughs> And Bravo Network might do a show about her. <laughs> so happy for it. Just so happy. Uh, <laughs> you did it, honey. Yeah. <laughs> All that hard work. So, yeah. And then, and then I had a friend who was contacted by Dr. Oz about, like, pet food. And so she recommended me. It was all, like, at the same time. And then um, he was contacted by one of the largest agencies in Hollywood to represent him. Somehow he wound up pitching me. And they like loved it. And we've been pitching a show around the house call practice as well. So it's Amazing. just like a crazy bunch of – but also I've reached out. I mean part of it – I've just reached out to like like all the influencers that I've worked with. I know we were talking about this before, before Alex. Like I'd just message them and be like, hey, do you want a house call? Because it's the best and thing ever. And I think <laughs> I think it makes you extra, extra cool and Thanks. extra special because you have – I mean as – as a dog business entrepreneur also in New York City, <laughs> yeah, I think it's really exciting that you have this talent. Thanks. As I mean, more than talent, as a 
doctor. You have years of years of skill and training. Yeah, and, and I and feel the same way about you guys. I mean, really, when I first knew Kate, I was like, God, how do you? You're, you have this whole like. To me, it's almost more impressive because like you have like a like an actual building. It seems so much more like adult in real life, where like you guys like yeah. have to manage a whole thing. And I'm like, I'm just gonna do this. Uh, no, it was, it was more complicated than that. But figuring it out because like they don't teach us anything about business in vet school. I mean, I'm sure for this, the same thing for you, you know, we had to like, thank God Lauren just like knew a lawyer who knew th- something about startups and it's like how, there's no handbook on this. But so also, it's really I, I feel like with you, like, you know, when I watch you with patients and clients and stuff, like you have so much more personality than the typical vet that's just kind of getting you in and out and it's just all about the medicine. Like, you know, I, I watch you and you have an actual connection with people and people are like, Oh my God, we love her. You know, like, yeah, like just because, like, it, even if it's that extra ten minutes, it really goes a long way. I I think you're a great example of of a business person who's using what they've got and what you've got and what you're good at. And I think it seems like you enjoy is talking to people in yeah. a very approachable way. Yeah, and yeah. um, I don't know. I think yeah. that's, and I think also, that's really cool. Also, pets Thank and punchlines has well, really gotten you out of your shell I think with like yeah. being more outgoing that was, that was part of the reason that we started it was like well first of all we just have my friends are her worst clients that it would, it's like <laughs> you know like so I think when I left the house I had five weed gummy bears and when I, <laughs> I can only find two of them the dog is six pounds uh, what do I do and I'm in the background like eat the other two but she wants to like call poison control oh. but so you know so like there was there was always the thing was there that like we could client or comics wanted to get vet, to get vet advice, but well, it's genius. But, but it's, like, yeah, but like, it it definitely takes time or took time for you to not be super serious. Uh, I'm a doctor yeah. in a hospital to be more yourself. It's like it's like Doctor Lisa versus Doctor uh-huh. Lipman. That's interesting. <laughs> well, it's yeah. interesting because it's like they have football players do ballet, or right. you know, or yeah. they have you know business people do. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, like Toastmasters. Uh, improv. improv. Like improv. Oh, improv. You know, yeah. It's a similar yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of yeah. thing. I will I, go out yeah. that window before I participate in comedy sports, just so <laughs> yeah. you know. <laughs> guys, we're on the 19th floor. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dr. Lisa, I would like to take this opportunity to find out a little bit about marijuana for pets. This is something I get asked a lot about these days because there's a lot of cannabis-based products out there. So I'm going to preface this by saying it is very illegal for me to prescribe or recommend. It's not illegal for... Is that in New York State or... I mean, I know federally. Federally. It is illegal. For pets, it's illegal in every state. Even in states where it's legal. So pets, people can buy buy CBD oil or products for their pets, but veterinarians in all 50 states cannot recommend it. It is federally classified as a Schedule One drug, where which means um, it has little to no or no it has no medicinal value and has the potential high high potential for abuse. They, but in some states, people can prescribe. Right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that, it can be prescribed to people, but not to dogs. Y- right. In that's some right. States. Yeah, and and it's it's illegal for veterinarians in all fifty states to recommend or prescribe it. It's amazingly said, backwards, if you ask um, me. That being said, there is a lot of there is no regulated study right now. I think they're working on that. I think at the University of Colorado, 
also there is um, like federal congressional um, hearings to try to reschedule the drug. So there's a lot of things happening is because that, is that anecdotally just for vets that they'd be rescheduling no, it. No, it's okay. on a, it's a, the DEA on a federal okay. level. Yeah. So and that's and that's because anecdotally there are so many reports of it helping for things like seizures, anxiety, um, pain. And so I think that we definitely need a lot more research into looking into it. But the problem is with the things like uh, the treats that have the CBD in it, um, we don't really know how much CBD is in there, and it still can be talks for pets who will, like, get into the whole bag of a treat with. We don't really know how much THC is in there. Um, is it that you don't know how much is in there or how much should be dosed for all, I the mean, CBD is both. completely non-psychoactive. That's the whole there, thing with CBD. But there is a little bit of THC in – it's not regulated. I mean, it's not regulated at all. So we actually just really don't know. And right, you have to have a and super And who's source. doing the quality control on it? Who's doing – there is a known dose, actually, that – um, is, I want to say it's like 0.5 to 2 mg per keg, according to the ASPCA poison control. So if you like call ASPCA poison control and they can actually calculate like different dosages that pets get and what the toxic uh, adverse effect. Uh, did you read that book like Zubiquity, I think it's called? Do you um, know the one I'm talking about? It's... About the overlap of... The medicine. One Health. It's the One Health movement. I know Zubiquity to be a conference and right, the One Health movement being about can you explain? Veterinary. So, can you explain to listeners who don't know yeah. what the listeners. One Health movement? I've never heard it called yeah. that, but I think I understand what it is. Yeah, and, and that's what the Zubiquity conferences are based on. But basically, um, the coming together of all medical professionals, veterinary, human, um, to work together to solve our, you know, um, everything from our food supply to um, to zoonotic diseases, which uh, zoonotic disease is a disease that's transmissible from animals to humans. The jump. Um, that's right, the jump. Um, so, which is yeah. many. Mm-hmm. So like when I was in vet school, we pioneered a course called uh, – the One Health course, which is basically, we had like 13 different medical professionals. So everybody from like podiatry to nursing to doctors to veterinarians, uh, dentists, all working to solve like one case. We would get a case and we'd all work together to solve it. So it's really, cool. really cool. Yeah. Um, I think that's, I, th- I think that's the coolest. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't get, you didn't finish your, uh, I was going to give you control. my secret tip for poison control. Secret tip time. Um, so if your dog is microchipped and registered with Home Again, which Home Again is like a nineteen ninety nine, uh, about a $20 service per right, year. They, that's that little yellow house tag. Yeah, that a lot exactly. Of dogs have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which your dog should should be. Uh, then, and you call ASPCA Poison Control, it's usually like a $60 or $70 charge to talk to a board certified veterinary they get into chocolate or whatever right. it is. Um, but if you have the microchip number and you're registered with Home Again, it's a free call. So it's very cool. I have called it myself several times. Right, That's Flo? good to know. Yeah, it's great. I love it. Going back to yeah. ubiquity, because I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm just obsessed with looking at yeah. animals from, mm-hmm. from the larger perspective. Yeah. Um, they talk about this case in this book, maybe you, you know about this, of I, – I was trying to look it up because I forget which direction it goes in, but I think there was a problem where animals were getting – Heart-shaped. Do you know You're what I'm talking, talking about, about? Dr. Horowitz was the one who did the research. She is a UCLA Lippy cardiologist. Yeah, she actually gave it. the commencement speech at my vet school. Oh, wow. So, really? cool. so you know exactly what I'm talking about? She's the one who's pioneered this movement, and that's because 
She's a UCLA, UCLA-based cardio, human cardiologist, and they called her into they call her in regularly to the zoos in California to do work on like primates and things like that. And they were she was finding that animals were dying from um, essentially like cardiomyopathies, or basically when they would get so nervous and they would run themselves into what seemed like a heart attack. And she said, you know, these animals are essentially dying of like broken hearts, but capture disease, she was also calling it. So when you go and capture an animal, they literally can die because they will like run their heart and their muscles, you know, beyond what's capable for their body to sustain. Um, and so, yeah, she really, she really pioneered this movement for human doctor. But she, she's incredible. She does a TED Talk um, that's incredible. What's the book again? It's called, I believe Zubiquity. it's called Zubiquity. Yeah, Zubiquity is right, because she hosts the conference Zubiquity, which that is the one like health movement. That sounds like something I And there's been a few things like that. Like, but there, uh, basically, what my, my takeaway from that book was there are a lot of problems that exist in one species right. mm-hmm. that also exist in other species, yeah. especially humans. Yeah. And, and in some cases, we know a lot about it in one species, but haven't, and right. other than humans, but haven't looked at it. Yeah. Vets have been in that area yeah. not... And vice versa, and that by sharing knowledge mm-hmm. about how you know yeah, cancer works exist. in all animals, yeah. or can, like uh, dogs don't really get heart attacks. They're kind of evolutionarily advanced in the fact that they don't get atherosclerosis like people wow. do, and uh-huh. don't actually have. They get heart different forms of heart disease, but they really don't die of heart attacks from atherosclerosis like humans do. So, like, why are they? What causes their arteries to be able to not? produce the that plaque buildup that humans get. So yeah, there's a lot of different things that we can study in a lot of different species. I had one of my uh, vet school professors was the one who actually discovered the link between West Nile virus and birds. She was a pathologist at the Bronx Zoo and she was getting all these birds that were dying and it was never diagnosed before, I think. And like she was the one who made the link between birds and people and having it be like, you know, just so crazy. Contagion. How, how many things do you have to eliminate before you come to that? She just was a brilliant pathologist. I mean, and just like yeah. recognized it from studying. You know, if we study a lot of the books I used in veterinary medicine were in school, even were human because it's just so. What happened to West Nile anyway? Where did where it's did you there. go to school? Uh, that's I did a pre med program at UPenn in Philly, and then I did vet school in California at Western University. Aren't there two no. different? kinds of um vets like there's a dvm and also a oh there's a vm it's yeah, only if you go to you if you go to upenn for veterinary school they have a, what's called a vmd instead of a dvm it's just a veterinary medical doctor it's the same thing it's the same exact degree Penn. it only Ugh. is because the <laughs> he also went to penn um he, he it's it's only because they their veterinary school started actually this is interesting their veterinary school started out of their medical school and also what's interesting is that oh. it used to be like 100% men and now it's over 80% women. Um, but anyway, huh. their veterinary school actually started out of their medical school. So they have veterinary medical doctor degrees and every other school is doctor of veterinary medicine. Did you want to be a vet when you were a kid? Oh boy, yeah. did you. At what point did you realize that a portion of your job would be having to put animals down? I guess I never uh, – that's a good question. Um I think I always just accepted it as part of – I never really thought twice about it because to me, it's really – it's a gift we have to give, which is part of, um, you know, why I – on house calls, it really is such a peaceful situation. And again, 
just really a gift that we have to give. It's something I really believe in um, strongly. So um, I think I just try to think about it like that. I never really, to me, that's not the hardest part of, of the job. To me, again, that's me being able to help in the best way that I can. To me, the hardest part of the job is when I can't do my job, you know, when finances are restricted or people look at animals as just property or abuse situations. Those are the hardest part. That's the hardest part of the job. Um, I've heard that from other vets too. And did you, is that something you realized on the job, I'm guessing? Also the debt. Um, (laughs) um, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the debt to income ratio is really, it's the worst. It's the worst of any medical professional by far. Um, but Do you think that's part of the reason that the we have the, the highest suicide, suicide rate? Suicide rate, yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely a big part of it. Yep, it's definitely a big part of it. And the fact that veterinary medicine is expensive, but you know, if you people, look people at, might not know that, by the way, that yeah, it's a profession that has yeah. some of the highest, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, not a thousand not percent. A, um, it's very unfortunate. Um, but the debt, the caseload, uh, the the amount litigious of, society dealing yeah. with people. But I, I, I do think that it, it weighs on, on some vets just the amount of death. I mean, because, you know, the life cycle is like seven times faster for animals. They than, say we see about five times more death than any human doctor. Um, so it's like imagine if pediatricians wow. – I, I, I think, think that's a thing. That like if pediatricians delivered a baby and – or, you know, it's OBG, whatever. If they deliver a baby and then euthanize it, like that has to have some effect on some people. Sure, but I think also. Um, oh, you mean if within the same lifespan of uh, that, yeah, because yeah, I you see know, what like you're a, saying. A vet, when a vet has a, p- a patient or client, they you know they see the the full life cycle of it. But I think at least definitely does look at it the best way. You know, which it, is it's that, interesting. Like, my, you're, my, you're ending suffering. You're not killing something. You know, my my husband studies like the ancient world, mm-hmm. and we've talked a lot about how in. In other times, people just lived with a lot more death than we have to mm-hmm. live with. You know, yeah. like people, more children died. Yeah. People I mean, died for from you know things that are easily curable now, and that in some way, I, I, I wonder if like the fact that we have pets is a luxury that mm-hmm. um, if we were dealing with as much death of people as we are all the time, we yeah. might not have room mm-hmm. in our hearts. Yeah, well, sure. And there's the the level of of emotional connection that people have to animals now is like it's higher than it's ever been throughout our history. But like, there, there's a study recently that uh, that millennials have a high feel a a, a a more emotional bond to their pet to their dogs than to their siblings, hmm. which is pretty wild. Right, and yeah. that they're planning their entire lives around their pets, not buying homes in certain areas or staying <laughs> right. in apartments, all yeah. because yeah, yeah. I, I you know have. I always I always think about those kinds of statistics or stories or just like that the 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 way we talk about that or this moment of pet ownership with with mixed feelings because on the one hand um like I I can see the point of view of like oh it's ridiculous and like like I said I I was a journalist for a long time and Mm. so much of journalism is sort of looking at looking at pets as kind of like less than us and Mm -hmm. and as sort of a you know accessories to be spoiled by young young or foolish people mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to treating them in the media as like equal parts of our life that's never in my experience as a journalist been like yeah. a really normal way to cover pets mm-hmm. um but i also think so there's part of me that's still like 
meh, whatever. So, so silly <laughs> that these girls want to take their dogs to brunch or whatever. But then I also think it's awesome. You know what? Like if that's what you love. Right. And yeah. that's where you're putting your love and not put, you know, rather than putting your love into, you know, a new car, which isn't <laughs> going to benefit particularly, you know, right. like if, if you're, and if you're taking good care of that animal and like, yeah. That's yeah. All, and, and if it's keeping you from, it's giving you connection yeah. and keeping you from feeling lonely right. and like, yeah. and, I'm like and, and like, and if, and if you become my client too, that's yeah. great. School for dogs at Sometimes I'm like, is it, uh, can I like, can I believe I'm like an animal doctor? Like, well, you know, it, there's, yeah, they it, don't care. And like, <laughs> like, like the animals don't care. But like on the zubiquity level, like you know, I I feel like you learn compassion and empathy, and you know, you learn yes. how to take care of something, which can only be a good that, thing for for people in general. Yeah, yeah. So like, you know, I, I think it makes sense that that people feel that connection. There's yeah. there is never a building. There's there's no uh, no siblings buildings. <laughs> <laughs> no siblings over sixty pounds. Sorry. Can I? <laughs> How can you help your dog, not your puppy, who you want to introduce yeah. to going to the vet? Mm-hmm. How can you make that a safe experience for a safe and happy experience? That's funny when you when you say that. I mean, to to my mind, I would say. I mean, I would tell people. I think this is all training, and I would kind of refer back to you too. But I would say, like, bringing them in, so carrying them, right? Never putting them down on the ground. Just in the like waiting room, you for mean? sure. Never putting them down on their waiting. Well, I think that's like room. a valuable yeah. piece of advice that many people wouldn't think of. Yeah. So, so yeah. So carrying them, not putting them down on the waiting room floor, because that is where a lot of the viruses live. They're very hardy, even despite what we do. So parvovirus and distemper virus, the two that we really want to protect dogs against, um, which is why we they're they're carried. They're transmitted mostly fecal oral, but poop is everywhere. I always tell people poop is everywhere. Like the tiny little particles, those viral particles are very hard to kill. They're very hardy in the environment, despite what we do. So that's why, you know, if you put your dogs, if their paws are on the ground and then they lick their paws, they can potentially get infected. So um, if you bring them, carry them, uh, don't put them down on a contaminated environment, wiping their paws down maybe when you're done with the appointment. Um... And bringing, what about bringing puppies outside of the home? Is there anything yeah. that else that you think that people should keep in mind to make sure that they're safe if they are getting their dogs out before they've had all their shots? Yeah. So um, the, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure you're well aware. The American Association of Veterinary Behaviorists actually states that after their second set of vaccines, that the benefit far outweighs the risk of them getting sick. So that's the time when they can go down on the ground. Um, however, they should not go to places that dogs where we're unsure of their vaccination status right. frequent. Right. So basically no dog parks, no pet stores, um, no place where you're you're really unsure. But if you no do have No junkyard dogs can't hang out them. <laughs> now so I would avoid those dogs, high traffic areas. Isn't it, isn't it possible for some dogs to be fully vaccinated after even after their first round of shots, but we, we're just not sure. If yeah, the- so they're up to date. What happens with vaccines is any dog who's nursed from their mother gets maternal antibodies, and those antibodies can fight off our vaccines. It doesn't mean that they necessarily do, right? And if, you, if, you, if they're up to date on their vaccine um, protocol, then theoretically they should they should for, be protected. The way I understand it is the reason that their vaccines are given multiple times is, is because we don't know exactly when those antibodies That's right. wear off. But it's possible that we it's possible that the first round of shots yeah. has hit at, at the moment when the antibodies have already worn off. In yes. which case, the first round might have worked. We just 
don't have a necessary we don't have an easy yeah. way of knowing a thousand percent okay. i mean i think also I tighter talk we color. think <laughs> no but but I, we we mostly think it's somewhere between 12 to 16 weeks which is why we say they need to be vaccinated every three to four weeks until they're 16 weeks old because then by that point we're sure that the maternity right. antibodies have worn off but before that sure yeah they could wear off or there's some puppies who really never nurse from their mothers so mm-hmm. um you know they're what? bottle fed well they're bottle they're you know so found as orphan. puppies <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. puppy lap yeah KBR, whatever. Um, Thank you so much, you guys, yeah. for taking the time to, to chat about us. this stuff. Um, I so found it really fun. interesting. Yeah, we created a new business. Yes. I love it. You're coming with me. It's been um, a, I didn't know if you know that, but you're it's coming It's been with a me. productive <laughs> hour. <laughs> Yay. Cool. All right. Thanks for yeah, having us. Hope to have you also at School for the Dogs yeah. soon. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I we would need love to have to drinks with Dr. Lisa. Yeah, drinks and... and increasing the human animal bond right that's yes. a huge thing i would love to do that i think he would have so much fun like doing classes he never did a class with her so i think we would she would have so much fun so yes yeah. just saying let's increase our human animal bond. most of our training you. is just me staring at her and telling her daddy don't play <laughs> i'm sure Kate, i'm sure i'm sure annie's gonna tolerate that at the school animal animal bond <laughs> yeah. because we're both animals that's right? oh interesting yes. i like that and yeah. where can our listeners find you oh right you. Yes. Um, so our yes. podcast is pets and punchlines uh, it's mostly comics with vets talking to comics with, Other pets. Way around. Comics yeah. with pets talking <laughs> you get to be the only vet yeah. it's <laughs> the world's with... only vet slash po- comedy podcast it's right. comics with pets talking to vets that's right that's, um, that's what usually me there. but it i would have be had other also vets an on. interesting podcast if it was just a comic talking to a same if you talk to a different vet every time yeah so you could just talk to a different girlfriend every time (laughs) (laughs) you could try one out for the day she's pretty well anchored on this podcast (laughs) (laughs) not not actually suggesting that's funny i'm now now i'm just thinking how other yeah neither one of us are going to shake each other on this podcast it's way better than we do break up every podcast like the beatles yeah it only functions yeah yeah otherwise it's wings <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, it's right. it's way and better than being married. We've got a I'm podcast a- together. <laughs> <laughs> at vet in the city underscore at Dr. Lisa Lipman on Instagram and everywhere else. At Richie Redding. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. So fun. If we could talk to Next the animals. Just imagine For our fun dog fact of the day, I thought I would share with all of you that the very first veterinarian in recorded history lived in Mesopotamia around 5,000 years ago. His name was Urlu Galadina, and we actually have uh, an image of him, which I will put in the show notes at schoolforthedogs.com slash podcast. And um, he was known as a male midwife at that time, but it's believed he mostly worked with non-human animals. Our woof shout out of the week goes to Reggie. Reggie is a wonderful Boston Terrier who I first met when he was a tiny puppy uh, four years ago. And since then, he's been coming to school for the dogs three or four days a week, possibly more, with his owner, Mona, who is one of our favorite human clients. Reggie the Boston Terrier, he has done a lot of great things in our day school, including he learning how to um, 
stand up on his front legs. We've taught him to do a handstand, which is pretty adorable, or I guess you'd call it a paw stand. Anyway, sadly, Reggie is moving away from School for the Dogs to the Upper West Side, and we are going to miss him so much down in the East Village that it's possible we might just have to move uptown with him. Thanks so much for listening. You can support School for the Dogs podcast by telling your friends about it, leaving a review, or shopping in our online store. You can learn more about us and sign up to get lots of free training resources when you visit us online at schoolforthedogs.com.